0: If you're just tuning into Civic Cipher, I'm your host, Ramses Jaw. I go by the name of Q Ward. Yes, indeed. And um, plenty more to stick around for as well. Uh, So be sure to do just that. We are going to revisit uh, a conversation that we had last week about Kyle Rittenhouse and the verdict from his trial. i got some things that I really want to say that I really think are important to say, And I'm a little anxious to get your reaction to what I'm about to say, Q. Um, But also, you know, we need to respond to some uh, issues that people have taken online. Um, And of course, uh, I mentioned that we were going to get into the Black Codes. uh, And so this week, I, I made it a point to do a little research on the Black Codes. So stick around for the Black Codes for our way Black history Fact. But for now, we are going to discuss how to become a better ally, Baba. And uh, today's suggestion, as far as becoming a better ally, is find a community of like-minded individuals. Now, um, you know, I live in Phoenix, Q lives in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, there's lots of groups on the ground, you know, in, in, all over the place. And there's some national groups as well. But the group that I found in Phoenix, I really get a kick out of these guys. Um, and, and there's not just one group for one type of people. There's groups, you know, all over the place. People that are like you, that feel like the world should be fairer. And, and you know, people that share your, your ideas and, and your values. Um, and instead of us being kind of fragmented and, and you know, scattered around our cities, um, look for a little bit of community to plug into. Um, one such group out here is called White Paws Phoenix, white P-A-W-S. And that stands for White People Against White Supremacy. And... <clears throat> what these guys do is um you know if ever there's uh, a speaking engagement by black folks <clears throat> excuse me a black person they'll come and they'll lend support they'll stand as a physical barrier between this black person who they want to make sure is protected and police or counter protesters or whatever and essentially they're using their privilege quote unquote to ensure that no harm comes to these black folks. And I do a ton of other things that I can't go into. This is just one group, but I know that there's um, different groups around. And so this week's recommendation is, you know, find a a little bit of community plug in, follow some folks on on Instagram or Twitter. In fact, White Paws is at White Paws PHX for Phoenix. So, um, you know, you can check them out and they can plug you with someone in your local area who, Perhaps does the same thing. So that's how you can become a better ally. Now, Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, I'll be the first to admit, not a lot of folks watch this show on YouTube. It's a radio show. (laughs) It's just, you know, after COVID, we were able to do our show differently. And, uh, and still put it out. And then fortunately for us, it's the national program. So we're, you know, coast to coast now. And um, a couple of things. You know, we don't always get everything right. And we also don't purport ourselves to be experts on anything. But. When we're wrong, we'll say it. And because there are people who watch the show on YouTube rather than listen on the radio or download it as a podcast after the fact, um, because those folks exist, they're able to leave comments and they interact with the show a bit differently. A very, very small number of people, I promise you, not even worth looking into. But when someone's right, they're right. When someone brings up a good point or a point that illuminates their position, I think it makes for not just good radio and compelling content for a radio show, but a healthy dialogue. And that's what I want to have today. Now, granted, I recognize I'm more in a position of power. And so I'll be mindful of that as I talk. Q, you know, obviously, you know, the same rules apply to you. Um, because we're doing rather more than just leaving a comment on a video. But with that said, um, right is right and wrong is wrong. So the first thing I want to acknowledge is that um, I did not watch the trial for Kyle Rittenhouse. I felt like I had no reason to watch the trial, especially after uh, I think you and I kind of tuned out at the same time. What was the judge did something or whatever? What was it? Besides throwing out the charge for the. I think that
1: might the start
0: rifle. I think that might've been it where at that point it was even before the thing started, we we're like, okay, this, we see how this is going. And it went that way. Right. But to be fair. Um, no, didn't watch the trial. And, and we didn't have a reaction to the trial's play-by-play, per se, as much as we had a reaction to the verdict of the trial and what that meant, the precedent that it set, right? Now, this sounds like I'm defending myself, and, you know, um, there is one thing that I do need to make sure that we set the record straight for, because, again, wrong is wrong, and we were wrong. Um, I think Q might have said... That Kyle Rittenhouse's mom drove him across state lines to this protest. And that one part was not true. His mom did not drive him. That was something that started on the internet early, you know, and we both read that and both held that to be true until I actually looked into it based on a comment someone left on the video right is right, wrong is wrong. We've been wrong on the show before and we've had to come back and set the record straight. That's what journalistic integrity is about. And we're not you know, above that. We, we absolutely call it when that's what it is. But I don't think that it takes away from the thrust of what we were saying last week, the implications of The verdict and what that means. There were people that were picking apart the deceased and like, oh, this guy did this a long time ago, and this guy is a pedophile, and this guy beat up his grandma, and this and that and the other. That's neither of us were saying, hey, these guys were saints. You know, we 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 counted them as allies, and we counted them as allies because they were out. We believe in support of. Uh, Jacob Blake and standing in solidarity with Jacob Blake. That's our belief, our held belief. But even if those things weren't true, the fact that they were at a protest and a person brought a gun, a big gun, like a chopper, you know, uh, what do they call it? AK or AR, some sort of AR 15. Sure. You know more about AR that. AR stands right? for assault rifle. See? The fact that he brought that out and was himself patrolling the streets. Um, In our estimation, he's the threat. We saw earlier this week, there was a a school shooting um, in Q's hometown, Detroit. And... Um, you know, those kids, they didn't get to go home, you know, they, they, they didn't get to go home anymore. That was it for them. Right. We saw that happen and I can't help but think, okay, so this very right wing, very, I'll call it Republican idea that the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun, right? That's not something that's new. That's something that these folks have been talking about since words have existed. I'm sure. Right. When you see a guy with a gun, do you wait for him to start killing people before you take action? Because if that's the case, then we really have to look critically at this most recent school shooting. And in fact, all school shootings, you know, obviously there shouldn't be a child with a gun on campus, nor should there be a child (laughs) with an assault rifle walking in the middle of the street during a protest because everything about it screams active shooter. Right. And this is what we were speaking to last week. The implications of the verdict of that trial Again, emboldens a group of people who feel like, yeah, you know, we we don't agree with this. So let's go out there and get busy. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And for those that know the story about or what we know of the story about this most recent active shooter in Detroit, as of this recording, is that he was a child. And my belief is that he's a white child. You know, I haven't confirmed that, but I've seen pictures of him. He looks whitish to me. Not too dissimilar from Kyle Rittenhouse in terms of his appearance. Takes a gun, goes to school, and executes human beings he believes are treating him unfairly. Right? And, And he asked for a lawyer, so... That doesn't mean he's falling on the sword. He's not, he's not owning it. He's not eating any crow. To, if you're going to ask for a lawyer, you believe that you're going to have a way out or at least get some leniency from the court. And I, Ramses, am able to draw a direct line in the span of seven days <laughs> or eight days or whatever from Kyle Rittenhouse to this most recent active shooter. I didn't put his name in here because... I don't believe him to be a another um, significant point in the story of this country, Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, I, I believe that was a major point. Anybody else, I don't really feel like it's appropriate to say their names and give them any sort of glory. certainly not for ending the lives of other human beings, you know? And since we're here, I want to say this you and I, both of us. Um, Q, tell folks about hashtag lunchback. It's infancy, it's impact. Just, just it's what, is, what is it? You and I, we do. Uh, go ahead, you, you tell them what it is. Once a month,
1: Ramses and I, and a group of volunteers who have been now working with us for uh, eight or nine years, get together and put together lunch bags, food, water, uh, hygiene products, socks, deodorant, toothpaste for less fortunate people, people who don't have a regular place to stay or people who don't get regular meals. We try to,
0: even if it's a small thing, provide something for them as often as we can. And where do we find these people that we give these things to? Um, A lot of them are concentrated downtown Phoenix. Um, Some stay
1: on a campus from, you know, periodically.
0: Others live on the street, on the sidewalk. Right. And uh, I'd say the vast majority of them live on the sidewalk. um, And there are some others who live under bridges or whatever, but all of them are unsheltered. Now, when we go out, and I'm making a point that anyone who has an an adversarial vantage point will be able to, you know, they'll be able to know the point I'm making. Um, When Q and I go out and we feed, you know, the homeless, our unsheltered brothers and sisters, and we do it once a month, when we go out and do that, we don't qualify the people that we give food to. We don't say, well, you get some food because, you know, you have no criminal background and you don't get any food because a long time ago you did this, that and the third. Right. We're not ignorant and we're not naive. Q and I, we recognize that some of those people have sex offenses, you know, and that's why our volunteer base is very well protected and insulated from, you know, potential harm. Um. And you know we move with caution. As Q said, I, I think we're probably knocking on 10 years. Um, never had an incident out there on the streets. Right? And, and a huge amount of our volunteer base is women and along with women comes children. So we don't hold the worst thing someone has done against them. With that said, we also recognize the severity of some people's past criminal activity, the heinous nature of it, etc., on and on. But if we're out here in the name of love, if we're out here with the spirit of love, and the idea is to help bolster uh, this community and, and, and fortify folks who don't have the capacity to do so themselves, um, then that's what we're going to do. And we're not going to qualify that. And so folks... Picking apart a person's life after they've been killed on a sidewalk feels a little unfair. It doesn't allow for folks to have perhaps become rehabilitated. You know, that's that's part of, you know, the, the corrections facility or the prison rehabilitation centers or whatever it is that folks call them. The idea there is that you go to these places so that you won't commit crimes again, Right. Um, and so I think there's a fundamental idea built into the criminal justice system, as flawed as it is, that human beings can be rehabilitated. Right. And that's not lost on us. And so I think that folks picking apart the deceased after the fact feels like a cheap shot. This is my opinion. This is my show or our show. And uh, I feel like it's important to say that as well. Um there's a lot of other things that are g- generalizations that we did make on last week's show that weren't specific to Kyle Rittenhouse but in our estimation And based on our lived experience, is true. In other words, um, I believe we had a comment last week that Kyle Rittenhouse was given a water bottle on the street. And someone took issue with that uh, and left a comment saying the police didn't give him a water bottle. They pepper sprayed him and they put him in the back of a car, you know, something like that. Um, But I'm not sure. That when that was said, that we were referring to that specific instance. Rather, what we were referring to is a general approach that police tend to have when the person they're arresting either looks more like them or has a similar belief system as them. versus when the person doesn't right uh if you're a public servant then you serve the public in theory that would be equal equally and you know when we hear about uh what's the guy that shot up that church number no, mind we don't even need to say his name but there was a guy that shot up a church he was a confederate flag guy i think his name was roof dylan roof something like that anyway shot up a black church i think nine people died there older people Lost their life in church. And um, uh, I believe before he was taken in, he, he got Burger King. You know, remember the guy that shot up the movie theater in Colorado with the red hair? Didn't they do something that was like, you know, they didn't beat him before they took him in. And this is the point I think we were trying to make. You know, apprehending someone, even if, you know, pepper spraying someone like that. It shows that there's a different approach, right? If there was a black, if Kyle Rittenhouse was a black male <laughs> with that chopper, <laughs> he would have got, we, our belief is that he would have been executed right there. Um, and uh, so the points that we were trying to make, we, we don't want to get lost in the minutia and the detail You know, what we're trying to say last week and this week again is the implications of that. We don't want allies. We don't want folks who believe in a better tomorrow to lose sight of what we're working for and succumb to fear. And that verdict could create a ripple effect where allies could become a lot more fearful. But with all that said, I do want to say, something that might get me in some some trouble. But again, this is our show, and we can do it. So I'm going to talk to my white brothers specifically this time. I know that the world is changing. The world is changing in a lot of ways. And... I know that you've been lied to, and I know that there are people, Mark Zuckerberg, who profit from your fear, and they have an, a vested interest in scaring you at every single possible point in your life, and and don't don't get caught up in the word scared, because. I know you're men, we're all men, bro. You know, we're not scared of nothing. But think in terms of like afraid that you're going to lose your identity or afraid that everyone is out to get you or that you were born and everywhere you turn, just being a white man is the crime. And you're the source of everything that plagues the world. That feeling has got to be overwhelming. And I understand. I don't know what it feels like personally, but I'm trying to empathize. I recognize that the life expectancy of white men is declining. I recognize there's an opioid epidemic that's affecting your people. I recognize that the cultural landscape of a place that you call home is changing. I recognize that the world, the way that you view it, a place where you can stand confidently in the middle of yourself, where everything is is available to you as an option, is changing in your lifetime. I recognize now um, that it might be a scary time for these reasons and a hundred other reasons, you know, some of which are based in reality, some of which are imagined, you know you perhaps have an unhealthy fear of mexican people coming across the border and t- and taking your job that might be a real thing in your mind it's not a real thing in the real world but i recognize that the fear feels the same no matter how you look at it right and as hard as the world is and as and as and as few things as you have to latch on to your patriotism and supporting the police and trying to hold on to what you think the world should be like. Um, I, rec- I-, I can see it now. It's, it's, it feels like you might be afraid of what is to come. And I want to say with these last few seconds to you that you are still my brothers and that I still love you. And I recognize that this is a time of transformation. And for the next 20 years, it may continue to be that place. And I know that you guys say some stuff that's very hurtful. And we say some stuff that doesn't line up with the way you see the world, right? And it doesn't mean that I'm wrong, right? But I have no ego here. At present, the power is still yours. I want you to know that I love you. And when those things change, I will still love you. And I will still support you. And I will always defend your right to exist. And if I do nothing else, I will do that. Don't be afraid. I'm your brother. (sighs) Let's get your reaction to this way. Black history fact Does that work. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, I did a little research on history.com this week. Uh, Looked up the black codes. So I will read and uh, get your thoughts, Q and we'll go from there. So for those that don't know, the black codes were restrictive laws designed to limit the freedom of African-Americans and ensure their availability as a cheap labor force after slavery was abolished during the Civil War. Though the Union victory had given some 4 million enslaved people their freedom, the question of freed blacks' status in the post-war South was still very much unresolved. Under Black Codes, many states required Black people to sign yearly labor contracts. If they refused, they risked being arrested, fined, and forced into unpaid labor. Outrage over Black Codes helped undermine support for President Andrew Johnson and the Republican Party johnson a former senator from tennessee who had remained loyal to the union during the war was a firm supporter of states rights and believed the federal government had no say in issues such as voting requirements at the state level under his reconstruction policies which began in may 1865 the former confederate states were required to uphold the abolition of slavery made official by the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, swear loyalty to the Union and pay off their war debts. Beyond those limitations, those states and their ruling class, traditionally dominated by white planters, were given a relatively free hand in rebuilding their own governments. Even as former enslaved people fought to assert their independence and gain economic autonomy during the earliest years of Reconstruction, White landowners acted to control the labor force through a system similar to the one that had existed during slavery. That's the Black codes. To that end, in late 1865, Mississippi and South Carolina enacted the first Black Coats. Mississippi's law required Black people to have written evidence of employment for the coming year each January. If they left before the end of the contract they would be forced to forfeit earlier wages and were subject to arrest under johnson's reconstruction policies nearly all southern states would enact their own black codes in 1865 and 1866 while the codes granted certain freedoms to african americans including the right to buy and own property marry make contracts and testify in court only in cases involving people of their own race Their primary purpose was to restrict black people's labor and activity. Some states limited the type of property that black people could own, while virtually all the former Confederate states passed strict vagrancy and labor contract laws, as well as so-called anti-enticement measures designed to punish anyone who offered higher wages to a black laborer already under contract. Black people who broke labor contracts were subject to arrest, beating, and forced labor. And apprenticeship laws forced many minors, either orphans or those whose parents were deemed unable to support them by a judge, into unpaid labor for white planters. Passed by a political system in which black people effectively had no voice, the black codes were enforced. Enforced. Sorry. By an all-white police and state militia forces often made up of confederate veterans of the civil war across the south <clears throat> i'm almost done by 1877 when the last federal soldiers left the south and reconstruction drew to a close black people had seen little improvement in their economic and social status and the vigorous efforts of white supremacist forces throughout the region had undone the political gains they had made discrimination would continue in america with the rise of Jim Crow laws. So that's the next thing that comes after the Black Coats. Um, but would inspire the civil rights movement to come. All right. How much of that did you know about the Black Coats? All of it. <laughs>
1: and it speaks to the evolution of what we spoke. You know, we've spoken about several times in the show with slave patrols. Mm-hmm that after the abolishment of slavery became militia or police. Mm -hmm. And as effectively as has much of our country's rhetoric, uh, laws, thoughts on rights, the Constitution, et cetera, remained in the spirit of how it was written in the late 1700s. I cannot pretend that there has been zero progress since then, but I can be outraged at how little. Uh, You and I saw a graphic earlier in the week, and what the graphic meant, I'm not really sure, but it did show a timeline of our country's history, and how much of that history was slavery, and how much of that history was segregation, and how much of that history was post- slavery and segregation and if this is the entire thing I'm trying to take up my whole picture here just this part was post-slavery and segregation so a lot of things post-slavery were put into place to maintain the current system as long as possible while coloring in those blurred lines that Black people, as you said, had no power to really fight against. You know, yeah, you're free, but if you do this, you're still kind of not free. So, yeah, you did this, so you're still kind of not free. Like, they, they could really direct that in whatever direction and, and hide it in whatever type of uh, legal language they wanted to, to maintain the status quo. Um, so, yeah, a, a lot of the things that we talk about on this show, we are not historians and we are not experts. This is an opinion show based mostly on our life experience and the things that that we have read and encountered over our lives. And then, you know, most of the history that we've read before our lives. We do not have our Encyclopedia Britannica handy when we're speaking here, but we speak in an envelope of truth. And if the idea, Ramses, is that we're apologizing for missed semantics I'm sorry, I can't do that every week. So I hope you guys got that today and are happy with it. But Q Ward won't be on this show, apologizing for the idea that Kyle Rittenhouse was thrown a bottle of water by the police. It's on video, folks. We didn't make that up,
0: right? I didn't. didn't, Okay, so he did not driven by his
1: mom. We're sorry. We only assume that because he's a kid. We weren't trying to. Make the story more grand, or make him more criminal. Right? The kid Mm. murdered people. He drove, which makes it worse. He drove there, spent the night, got an assault rifle from a friend, went to a protest, and murdered people. We didn't make that part up, guys. That happened. That's that's the and after he murdered people, he walked toward police, where bystanders told the police, "Hey, he just shot people." And they did nothing to him. We didn't make that part up either. It's also on video. So I hope you guys got what you needed from Ramses. I am not trying to embolden or infuriate or even be adversarial. But to find the semantic to try to pick at the argument is nonsensical. Absolutely. right? What we were saying is that what the kid did was wrong. And we knew at a point that he wouldn't be held accountable. So yes, we stopped paying attention. So we didn't see the part in court where it was unchallenged that his mom drove him there. I stopped watching the trial and it was very clear that this kid who murdered people was going to live a prosperous, normal life afterwards because he was a white kid. Hard stop. If he looks like me and he murdered three people with an assault rifle, he's not free. He doesn't probably survive that night He definitely doesn't walk towards the cops with an AR-15 as people are shouting. He just killed two people and get to go home and make it to trial safe. He was not arrested and pepper sprayed on the scene. If he was pepper sprayed, it was probably by people trying to stop him from killing people, not law enforcement. Again, semantics. So if we misread a sentence or we misquoted something, it was not an effort to make the story more left or right leaning the general understanding of what we were saying is true
0: well said so forgive um, me
1: for not using my time to apologize
0: no mm-hmm. no no you're good you're good no you should and you and you shouldn't but but yeah well said um and i think that's it for us uh, we're gonna have to leave it right there unfortunately we can't uh go too much further so um if you're just tuning in to civic cypher i'm your host rams is ja i go by the name of q Ward. And that's going to do it for us. So be sure to check us out um, on the website, civicsoccer.com. Download this and any other previous episodes. And until next week, y'all. Peace.